we are in the Gospel of John, and we are in chapter 5, and remember we began last week, we went through the first part of this with the uh, pool of, uh, the man at the pool of Siloam, right? And Jesus finds this man there, and he asks him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man says, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took his bed and walked. So uh, we again get an example of the power of the word of God, right? Jesus is demonstrating he is the word made flesh. By his authority, this man who was sick is now well. He was um, infirm. He is now fully healed. Okay, verse 5 is where we're going to pick it up. Or not not verse 5, the the second half of verse 9, sorry. Um, Now, that day was the Sabbath. (laughs) So uh, remember that the verses and the chapters are artificial Right, they weren't there in the original text. It wasn't like John was writing his gospel. He's like, okay, let's make this chapter one. Um, I'm, I don't know where should I break this verse up. No. Uh, that was all artificially done at a later date, and it's really helpful that it was done. It's really handy because, like, if you read the early church fathers, they will quote from um, different texts, but they'll just kind of quote it and like you would have to know where to find it within that text. Whereas now, if I quote something, I could say, you know, John 3.16. And everyone goes, oh, yeah, okay. I know where exactly to find that. Even if I don't know John 3.16, I know how to, how to navigate that, right? So it's handy, but it's also artificial. And so it sometimes is not as helpful. <laughs> Sometimes the chapter breaks are like, wait, no, that, that, that's a continuation of this whole same thing. That's not a new, a new chapter, a new thought. Um, and, and when you break it up that way, sometimes you artificially miss uh, what the author was going for. But here we just have an example of, in the ESV, uh, a new chapter or a new paragraph is started within the midst of verse 9. So I don't think... Um, there's any big issue with that, but uh, um, I think a, an English teacher might knock you a little bit on your grade for organization. So, uh, but what's the big deal? Who cares that it was a Sabbath? The Pharisees, the Pharisees sure do. <laughs> Had Jesus sinned by healing a man on the Sabbath? Technically, well, no, no. Uh, it, according to their over legalistic right. understanding of it, right? That's what I was answering. There you go. Yeah, he had sinned against the against the Pharisees' idea of it, right? But but not against God's, and that's that's where we need to to look at this because uh, the Pharisees start with the law of God, and then what do they do? They they add hedges around it so that you don't accidentally break a law and so now they add these extra rules upon rules upon rules so that 
We're just, we're just trying to really be, be good and not break any of God's laws. So, so um, not only can you not do the thing God said you can't do, but you can't do other stuff too because then that might be getting too close to breaking that and we want to keep as far away from breaking that as possible. Um, you ever see that kind of thing in, uh, in our day and age? <laughs> can you think of any examples? Okay. Okay. So, is it a sin for a Christian to go out to eat on a Sunday because you're making somebody else work? What do you think? Has God said that that would be a sin? No. Might it not be the best practice? Uh, you know, or might might there be wisdom to to think about with that? Right? Yeah. Okay. You might, might want to say, well, maybe that's not uh, what I want to do because I don't want to have any reason for anybody to have to work on a Sunday. But it's not sinful, and we shouldn't, you know, we should never add laws where God has not put a law. We should not make laws where God has not made a law. That is a really bad place to be. Uh, Tom, did you have your hand up? No, you're, okay, just, you look like you, 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 you're, yeah, you're, you're given, uh, given the uh, steel sign. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, I'm not a very good bunder, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there is a there is a tendency to do this though, um, because we don't want to break God's law. That's a good thing, right? It's a good thing to start with the idea we don't want to break God's law. We want to live according to God's law. But the that good motivation often leads to legalism, because. Now, instead of just using God's law, you say, well, there's more to it. So, so now you can't do these other things either. You, know, you could never go to the movies. right? That was a, a thing back in the day. Now, maybe we've gone too far the other direction to where Christians are like, eh, watch whatever movie you want because you have the freedom of the gospel and you can just do whatever. Well, yeah, there's going to be movies that are not going to be helpful for you to watch, not good for your walk, not, not, not uh, going to lead you into thinking of things that are above, but are going to get you thinking about things that are not good and holy and righteous, right? Um, so we, we always have this, this tension, don't we? Where we don't want to become legalistic, but at the same time, we also don't want to become antinomian, where Everything goes because we've got this freedom of the gospel and it doesn't matter what you do. Um, on the one hand, you end up with you know, the, the super legalistic Christian approach. On the other hand, you end up with the anything goes approach where you have anything and everything um, and you can't end up calling anything a sin in the end. So the... Uh, it now you know, so it says verse uh, verse nine b now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, "It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful you for you to take up your bed <laughs> uh, all right, Jesus said, "Get up, take your bed, and walk." God told him to it's okay 
<laughs> but they are starting with the premise of, you're not allowed to do that because, well, the extra rules say so. God does not command that according to his law, but they have added that to his law. Uh, But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. Their first reaction was not, you're walking. (laughs) Right? This is amazing. Right? Thanks be to God. Their first reaction was, how dare you pick up your mat? Have you noticed I'm walking? <laughs> you know, uh, why? why do you think that was their first reaction rather than, wow, a miracle has taken place? What do you think? Yeah, that's, that's possible. That's possible for sure that he already had people that are not really happy with Jesus and looking to, um, you know, for reasons to uh, uh, speak out against him. Yep. Right. I think there can be a tendency to have the hobby horse, right? This is the, the rule that we're really going to focus in on um, because it becomes really easy then to categorize people. So if you are a really strict keeper of the Sabbath, well, then you're with us and you're going to keep all of the other laws that we have in addition to what God has said. And if you're, if you're not doing that, well, then, then you're one of those you know, unwashed, um, low-down type people that they're not really serious about the faith. Yeah. So how about this scenario that they were so busy policing other people yeah. because... Yeah, I think there's something to that. Yeah, when we become consumed by the law, we apply it most harshly to others. <laughs> uh, but we, we want to find fault with others in part so that we can make ourselves look better. Yeah, and so uh, I think there's something to that. Pride and sin at the same those two never come together. Yes, definitely pride, right? Because we do this and therefore we're doing right. And if you're not doing this, uh, then you're then you're doing something that's that's less than us and that's not right. Jake? Yeah. I think there is something to that too. That there's a, a power in controlling other people. Jesus was threatening. Yeah, for sure. Jesus was threatening that control. Yeah, if people can take up their beds and walk on a Sabbath, 
well, where does it end? <laughs> That's right. What's next? They're going to eat food together? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Verse uh, 13. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. So Jesus heals him, steps back, and just lets things happen. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Okay, so... Sin no more. Does this mean that the man had become sick because he had committed some grievous sin? No. Now, it's possible, right? We don't know the whole story. It's possible that because our actions do have repercussions, right? Uh, We can't just blame original sin. Um, If I, you know, if I decide that... um, I'm going to go, you know, 90 miles an hour down Route 3, and I get me into a crash because of that. Uh, I can't be like, well, it really wasn't my fault. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you, you made a bad decision there. There's going to be a consequence of that, right? But a lot of times what happens to us happens not because of any grievous sin that we've committed. So somebody get that ends up with, with cancer or somebody... Um, battling depression or somebody that breaks a leg. It's not like, oh, they they did something bad to bring that on themselves. No, they're they're sinners and living in a sinful world. And these bad things happen to us because we're sinners living in a sinful world. And it's the consequences of sin. And not because you did something wrong or because you lack faith. Uh, That is such a poisonous way of thinking, isn't it? That, well, if you had faith, you wouldn't be having any of these struggles. Yeah, actually, you probably would have these struggles. Why? Because your sin, your, your body is still corrupted by sin, which includes your mind. It includes all aspects of your body. Um, so, yes, uh, you're, there's going to be struggles. I hear Matthew endorsing um, the keeping of the, the Pharisaical laws. I, I think you are a Pharisee of the first order. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, moving on from, from our, from our uh, um, present Pharisee here. Um, verse... <laughs> But he says, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. What, what worse could happen? I mean, the guy's been uh, an invalid for 38 years. That sounds pretty awful, doesn't it? What worse could happen? Yeah, eternal death, right? Eternal damnation. That's a whole lot worse. And so Jesus heals the man and he sends him and he says what? Sin no more. I thought we were supposed to go on sinning that grace may abound. Oh, wait, that's the opposite of what St. Paul tells us in Romans, isn't it? Right? So 
Once the Lord has come and he has done his work in us, what does he say? Go and sin no more. Now, you can hear that in a couple different ways. You can hear that as, if you ever sin again, well, what, God, what Jesus has done for you is, no, is of no use. But that's not really what we should hear at all, right? What should we hear? You are free from sin. Go and live in the freedom that God has given you. You don't have to sin any longer because you are set free by Jesus. God the Holy Spirit is indwelling you. You are able to live in holiness. Are you able to live in holiness? Through Christ. Christ. That's right. Yeah. And by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do we always? No. The good that I would, I do not. The evil that I would not, that I keep on doing. St. Paul says that. We say that, right? So we are able to live in holiness, but we don't always because there is that sinner-saint dynamic. We're still struggling, and we will until the resurrection. But at the same time, I think it's important not to say, well, we just can't help it, so, so, so you know, we're going to sin, so just go ahead. You know? We shouldn't take it lightly. Uh, and I think sometimes the Lutheran teaching on this gets misconstrued and sometimes mistaught as... Um, you don't even have to worry about sin in your life. Like, it shouldn't be a big deal to you. No, it should be a big deal to you. You want to put it to death every day. You want to confess it to Christ, and you want him as forgiveness, and you want him then to to help you to live in holiness. Um, We will never be free from sin until, you know, Christ comes, but we always want to be striving for holiness, don't we? Okay, so Jesus tells him, um, Sin no more that nothing may, worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. So, a uh, couple things here. First, uh, what happens when Jesus helps people? Well, they get better, yes. <laughs> and then they go tell people, right? Here's their evangelism program again, right? It's not complicated at all. We already heard it earlier, right? Come and see, right? Could could uh, can good can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see, right? The woman at the well, she goes into town. Hey, I think this might be the Messiah. Come check him out, right? Here, this man has been healed. He goes. Hey, you were wondering who helped me. I now know. I can tell you. Now, I don't think in his mind he was he was thinking, oh, they're going to be really mad at Jesus. <laughs> Maybe he did, I don't know, but I don't think that was the purpose of him telling them. I think his, hey, you, you ought to know because this, this, that, that sure, surely should tell you something about this guy that did this, right? So when, well, does, God, does, does Jesus help you? Every Sunday, what do you receive? 
Forgiveness of sins, right? You come, you confess your sins, you hear those words, your sins are forgiven. Maybe you should tell somebody. Hey, have you, have you heard what Jesus did for me? Have you heard that resurrection life is mine, right? Okay. Uh, and, and then they come and they confront Jesus. And what does he say? My father is working until now and I am working. What, what is that all about? Well, for sure he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, absolutely doing that. And again, another example of him saying who he is mm-hmm. openly and plainly mm-hmm. for them to understand. Yeah, he's revealing who he is. Yeah. yeah. What else? Well, what's the opposite of Sabbath? Working. Um, now, so the, the father has been working until now. I am working. Well, when's Sabbath come? With the resurrection. That's when the Sabbath really comes. That's what the Old Testament Sabbath is pointing forward to, is the true rest that we have in Christ. So now, uh, the work is complete. You go to the book of Hebrews, Jesus is seated in the heavenly places. Why is he seated? Because if a priest was working, he would be standing. His work is done. He's seated. So the work is done for us, right? This is, again, law or gospel. Are we saved according to the law? Well, no by Jesus' observance of it, but not by our own. (laughs) We live under the gospel. We are in an eternal Sabbath. It already has started. So our works are are wonderful, good, but contribute nothing to our salvation. And uh, we, we can rest in Jesus even now because the work is done, right? I am uh, working. So, What does Jesus say from the cross? It is finished. His work's done at that point in the resurrection, and now we are in that Sabbath. All right, yep. How do you mesh this with the Eighth Commandment? With the Eighth Commandment. Well, in verse, yeah. I was going to say, I was very confused there. It was like, I, I got to figure out how to... Ma- <laughs> right. Okay, so, right, remember the Sabbath day. Oh, I for- uh, I got to go grab my book of Concord real quick. Hold on. I got this. I, got, I, I, I had that ready to go. Oh, all right, hold on.
Okay. So let's see. Did I mark the right spot here? <laughs> uh, oh, there we go. Okay. So this is from um, the Augsburg Confession, Article Twenty-Eight. Um, this kind of ordinance is in the church is observing the Lord's Day, uh, Easter, Pentecost, and similar holy days and rites. It is a great error for anyone to think it is by the authority of the church that we observe the Lord's Day as something necessary instead of the Sabbath day. Scripture itself has abolished the Sabbath day, Colossians 2, 16 and 17. It teaches that since the gospel has been revealed, all the ceremonies of Moses can be omitted. Yet, it was necessary to appoint a certain day for the people when they ought to come together. It appears that the church designated the Lord's Day, Revelation 1, verse 10, for this purpose. Uh, this day seems to have been chosen all the more for this additional reason, so that people might have an example of Christian freedom and might know that keeping neither the Sabbath nor any other day is necessary. Um, so in other words, the idea of keeping a Sabbath day still applies, but what given day that is, is entirely up to us. There is no standard day that we must observe as the Sabbath day uh, because we are free in Christ. So the commandment about it, you know, these that it has to be on the seventh day that you rest. That did apply for God's people in the Old Testament times, but it no longer applies because we are free in Christ, so we now can choose whatever day we want. Yes. Right. And, um, yeah, observing the Sabbath, well, what does it mean to observe the Sabbath, too? Right? What does it mean to observe the Sabbath? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, you got to define what you mean, don't you? You got to define what you mean. Um, Yeah, let me, read, let me read a little bit here from the large catechism uh, about the third commandment. Uh, this commandment, therefore, in, in its literal sense, does not apply to us Christians. It is entirely an outward matter, like other ordinances of the Old Testament. The ordinances were attached to particular customs, persons, times, and places, but now they have been made matters of freedom through Christ. Again, Colossians 2, 16 and 17. The simple-minded need to grasp a Christian meaning about what God requires in this commandment. Note that we don't keep holy days for the sake of intelligent and learned Christians. They have no need of holy days. We keep them, first of all, for bodily causes and necessities which nature teaches and requires. We keep them for the common people, manservants, maidservants, who have been attending to their work and trade the whole week. In this way, 
they may withdraw in order to rest for a day and be refreshed. Second, and most especially on this day of rest, since we can get no other chance, we have the freedom and time to attend divine service. We come together to hear and use God's word and then praise God and to sing and pray uh, to, to sing and to pray uh, Colossians 3:16. So um, here's the reality. We can choose whatever day we want. If we all decided, you know what? None of us work on Tuesday. Let's all have church on Tuesday. Then we would. And that'd be fine. Uh, and, and, and it's good when you have that Sabbath day. It is good to what? To rest from the regular stuff that you do. Why? Okay, gives you a chance to refocus, to focus on Christ and what is of, of true importance. What else? Yeah. 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 We we spend so much of our time doing, 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 doing. It's good for us to stop doing and receive. It's good for us to rest. Um, rest is one of the hardest things I think in our day and age because technology has actually made it more convenient which means you can always be working (laughs) I mean think about a hundred let's go 200 years ago right we just had time change it wouldn't have mattered what time change would be because people's lives were organized by what? The sun, the daylight, right? And it, so if it was evening time, you could light a lamp, right? And that would give you some light. Um, but even that kind of light is not the same as that artificial lights that we have. Um, so uh, people's sleep cycles were a whole lot better. Our sleep cycles are a mess because we've got lights anytime, any place, at a flip of a switch. And then we've got blue lights right in our eyes all the time. And that disturbs our sleep cycle. Uh, and we've got, well, I'm, I'm kind of bored. I'll turn on the TV. And it's now, you remember the old TVs? Like it would be kind of a soft light. Now it's like a piercing light or like. Man, that is bright. If you turn it on in the middle of the dark, it is just so much brighter than the old ones. None of that's good for our rest. That technology has made our lives easier in a lot of ways, but it has disrupted the natural order of life in a lot of other ways. Sabbath helps us to reinstitute a a rhythm of life. Uh, it's good to rest. It's good to not do all the time. It's good to come and hear God's word, be with God's people, receive God's gifts, not be rushed, and rest. It's good for us to spend the day being with family.
Now we've got to be really careful again that we don't turn these things into, well, you have to do it in this way. You know, if you turn the TV on on a Sunday, <laughs> that is awful. That's like taking your mat up and walking. You know, uh, you can you can watch TV if you want. That's that's okay. Maybe maybe though, as a family, you decide. You know what? We're not going to turn it on today. We're gonna we're gonna play a board game, or we're gonna read, or whatever. You know, we're gonna go to the park to get together. Uh, there's there's a lot of ways you can do it. There's a lot of freedom in the gospel, but resting. Resting is good for us, and it is probably uh, among the harder things for us to do in our time. Um, just a quick question about the, uh, you know, the, the making the law of resting. Does it mean that you can't tell your children not to have a mudboard in the kitchen when you're having your Sunday afternoon nap? <laughs> well, they should respond about freedom of the gospel, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I'll have a chat with the kids and, 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 and fill them in on that, how to, how to respond. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. He keeps yelling out. They're like, shut up. For sure. But you still have, I think this, this is a wonderful gospel illustration here, right? That this guy is not like, yes, Jesus, I know who you are and you can heal me. Have mercy on me. Right. Like Jesus is like, do you want to be healed? He's like, gives this like whiny answer about it instead of saying, yeah, I want to be healed. Um, and I, I think it's a wonderful reminder for us that uh, the gospel isn't based on um, our willingness coming into things, but that God, you know, even calls to faith and helps those who <laughs> seem very meh, ambivalent. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder with Jesus' answer to him if it's a little different because of he knows the heart of the person he healed. Because the apathetic one says, "See, you are well." He's like, "What?" Oh, 
know more that nothing worse may happen to you. It's kind of like a warning word yeah. to the guy, the blind man. He said, go your way, your faith has made you well. So it's like, I don't know. Um, could be. Yeah. Could be, yeah. Uh, somebody else have a, yeah. So I, one thing I, I find most interesting about this specific passage is, and this is just one of many times this happens, is Jesus challenged the tradition. I mean, your, your verses right after this talk about the Pharisees are bullying, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, tradition, tradition is not bad, but tradition, when it becomes law, becomes bad. You know, so tradition can be good, can be helpful, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. I understand. But I'm, I'm talking just in general, right? So if, if, uh, if we say, well, no, no, um, uh, the, the way that we do, you know, whatever it is here at Hope, um, it's sinful to do it any other way, when God has not said that, then our tradition has become um, sinful rather than um, helpful. Uh, at the same time, there are a whole lot of traditions that are really, really helpful if we view them in the right way. You know? So celebrating All Saints Day, <laughs> not commanded by God, right? We don't have to do that, but it's good. Celebrating Christmas. You're not commanded that you must do that, but it's good to do, um, and you don't have to do it on December 25th, but somebody's got to organize when we're going to do it. <laughs> okay, we'll come back to this next time. Uh, we're out of time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this day, for the opportunity to be in your word, and for the help that we receive from Jesus. As he has helped us, so let us tell others of the help we've received, that they too can come and hear, and learn of Jesus, and receive him and his gifts. In Jesus' name, amen.